0: Some of you may have seen my interesting title for my sermon today, Happy Boxing Day. And no doubt some of you are already wondering, oh goodness, what is John going to do with that? Is he going to go into the history and the theological significance of some obscure holiday? No. No. I'm going to answer that directly, no, we're not going to do that. There's nothing about this day that is historically or theologically significant to us, especially as Americans. It's mostly a UK thing, historically speaking, but the universal appeal of today relates completely to its proximity to yesterday, Christmas, That boxing day to most of us just means it's the day after Christmas. And we see that little notation on some of our calendars. And that's all that there is to it. But for many people, this day, the day after Christmas is a very unusual type of day. It's very, it can feel very empty. It can feel unfulfilling. As Christmas time makes all these promises through people and through things to fulfill us, many people feel empty afterwards, as if the season did la- did not satisfy many parts of our hearts. I want uh, to put it another way. I once heard that the loneliest and emptiest moments of life are the ones that promise to be the penultimate experience only to not live up to its promises later on and leave you feeling underwhelmed and disappointed. I once heard a story of a famous football player who um, who had just won the Super Bowl. He was promised all of his life that this is one of the greatest accomplishments he could achieve, and it had finally happened for him. And he had just gotten off the phone, just ordered a sports car worth more than my house, And as he hangs up the phone and lays his head on the bed of this luxury hotel he's staying at, suddenly a thought enters his mind. This was the thing that was promised would be his greatest accomplishment. And that's now in his past. It's all gonna be downhill for him now in his career, he believes. And his greatest accomplishment has already been achieved. What now with the rest of his young life and this inner dread begins to creep up in him, in his heart, on what was supposed to be the most exciting day of his life. Now that's perhaps an extreme example of what some people are experiencing this morning in the aftermath of Christmas. That Christmas is exciting, it's about friends, food, festivities, traditions, and so on. But today for so many people, christmas uh, the day after Christmas is about leftovers. It's about children discovering that the thing that they begged you for didn't satisfy them the way that they were promised or the way that they thought in their hearts, perhaps promised by television and advertisers. That's another story. And perhaps it is the realization for some that after New Year's, we have nothing to look forward to in terms of holidays and traditions, but a Cold, dark, wet, gray New Jersey winter to look forward to. Suddenly doesn't feel like the most wonderful time of the year anymore, does it? How do we respond to the letdowns of life like this? How do we respond to feeling perhaps underwhelmed and unfulfilled? You know, I mentioned a few weeks ago that this time of year, especially for children, can be the most magical time of the year with all the lights and traditions and the things that we do. But yet as we grow older, looking around this room, we've all pretty much grown out of that. The, the, all of those things are nice, but they don't grip us the way that they used to when we were younger that we need more and more to satisfy that sense of wonder that we used to feel when we were young. You know, I heard a convicting quote from a pastor I I follow recently, how he said that these huge fantasy movies that have been coming out over the last couple of decades, and even recently, um, should serve as a reminder to us that we are still capable of feeling some of these emotions that we often have lost touch with, these feelings of wonder, shock, awe, and surprise. It should humble us that we have not felt some of those emotions from what is truly the most awesome thing in the world, that little manger that we're celebrating this time of year, this Christmas season, the truths of the Bible. We've lost sight of these things. Because think about it, the, the story of Christmas, the story of the Son of God leaving his throne in heaven, coming down to earth, becoming a man, living his life, serving others, only to die on the cross for our sins. That story is just as exciting, glorious, strange, weird, and exciting as anything You could read in a science fiction novel these days just as much as any big budget movie that you can see on the big screen these days. Correction, even more so. It is even more in all of those categories than anything Hollywood can offer us. I put the story of the scriptures up against Star Wars and the Avengers any day. Uh, Think about it. Think about it from a story perspective just for a second. The anticipation of the long-awaited Messiah coming to save the world from our imminent, imminent demise from our sins. A king had tried to stop him by slaughtering the children of an entire village, but he manages to survive, becoming the greatest teacher of all time. He grows what appears to be a strong and committed following only to be betrayed by his own people, even by one of his closest friends, only to die a criminal's death on the cross. But don't close the book just yet. Stay for the after credit scene because afterwards Jesus rises again from the dead, having not died for his own sins, but the sins of the world so that all who believe in him can be forgiven. And this message spreads like wildfire throughout the ancient world. I dare any of you guys to look me in the eyes and tell me that's not an exciting story. Tell me that your favorite fiction writer has anything on that. It truly is a moving story when you think about it through that lens. But we've lost that wonder, haven't we? Our problem is we get so used to hearing this story that we lose the wonder. We forget how wonderful these truths are, and they fade into the background of our minds when they ought not to. And yet when we are moved by other stories, books, or movies, it should convict us that those things move us to feel these emotions. And yet we can sit in church and feel nothing. That should create a check in our spirits. We thought, perhaps some of us thought that, oh, that part of us has just died and we're just a bunch of bitter and grumpy old people at this point. When other avenues have revealed otherwise in our hearts, it's not true. And we need to recapture that wonder again. Because because we'll grow out of all those other things that cause us wonder now. But yet only in God do we find a truth big enough and true enough to capture our hearts in a way that can deliver over the course of the rest of our lifetimes. When we consider the enormity of God and the greatness of his display of love shown to us on the cross, it ought to move us. Not because, just because, oh, it's a moving story, but because it's a true story. And more so, it's your story. It's all of our stories. We have a part to play in all of this. Because you have gone from darkness to light if you're in Christ. You have been made a new creation. Your sins are forgiven. You are going to heaven someday. That's good news. That should excite us. That gives us reason to rejoice all year long, not just during Christmas time, not just for the couple of minutes after the box office closes. This should move us all year round. How's that for a cure for emptiness, for a feeling unfulfilled that all of this has been done for you, that we have a part in this story that we proclaim and it continues on. The story's not over with every day that goes by. New people are hearing the gospel. New people in the Sunday school are having that light bulb go off in their minds for the first time and realizing, yes, this is true. I believe this. I believe that Jesus did this for me. Every day, new people are coming into the church and hearing this message. And every day, we go out and leave this church and bring the message with us. Oh, make no mistake, the gospel is still going forth and spreading like wildfire to the ends of the earth. We ought to continue to pray to do so. But the other side that I wanted to emphasize this morning is that the other thing that makes the gospel so incredible that should still move us, that should still move our hearts with wonder is that this message is both accessible and at the same time inexhaustible. Now, I've heard it said that a scholar can get lost and drown in the riches and depths of the truths of God's word because there is so much to comprehend. But at the same time, an infant can float safely at the top of the waters of God's word. Here's what I mean by that. What I mean that is that there's always something more to learn and discover in God's word, in God's story, if you will. I mean, I've studied the Bible for years. I've used all kinds of tools, all kinds of commentaries, and every single time I open the Scriptures, I can open it with a sense of anticipation that I'm about to experience something I've never experienced before on every one of these chapters. You can't exhaust how much is in there. There's there's so much to see. And it's because of that, I want to encourage everyone this year, especially as we're coming around to the new year, consider making a commitment to read the Bible this year. Make that a New Year's resolution as that's coming right around the corner. Doesn't have to be one of those fancy, exhaustive Bible in a year programs. Could be as simple as reading a chapter or two a day. And you can see how much that'll change your life. I mean, I certainly know that that's when so much changed for myself, so I mean, it, it, it's one of the one of the biggest lies that we believe is, oh, I know everything I need to know about God. I know everything I need to know about the Scriptures. I read it once, maybe in Sunday school years ago, but yet there's always more to it because I mean, God's Word hits us differently in different seasons. I mean, I remember the first time I read the book of Lamentations, for instance. It's where I just kind of threw my notes in this morning. Just kind of threw it into the middle of my Bible. But I remember when I was was reading that book for the first time. It's a lament over the destruction of Jerusalem. And you really get a feel, when I first read it, I saw academically, intellectually, how God is faithful to his people. How even in the worst of times, God still shines through and does great things and proves his faithfulness, his love, and his goodness, even in times of trial. But when I reread that book this year, after everything we have gone through as a nation, as even a congregation, and myself personally, losing mom and everything this year, as I'm reading through those promises... It hit me in a very different way, a very emotional way, rather than academically. And when sometimes as we go through the scriptures, it, it strikes us through that lens, in that way. That's why the, the Bible is the only book in history that could be said is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, as the book of Hebrews tells us. Because it pierces us in different ways, in different seasons. changes our hearts. But the other side of that coin is not only is the Bible inexhaustible, but it's also so accessible. Let me just paint you guys a contrast for a moment. There is a Bible commentary set on the New Testament alone that is 33 volumes long, 18,000 pages worth of material. Again, just for the New Testament, just notes on the New Testament for further study, if you will. And yet with this incredible amount of data, my four-year-old daughter could give you the thesis of what the Bible is. Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. My four-year-old could give you that simple definition, that simple main point of what the Bible is driving at. So at whatever stage of spiritual growth we all find ourselves in, whether we are a, a elder and saint of, that has been believing the Bible for years and uh, coming to church as long as we can remember, or whether we just placed our faith in Christ we're, and we're very new in the faith, we can each come to the Word of God with a sense of anticipation and with the ability to know that there's something in here we can understand. Hope that makes sense. I hope you guys see where I'm going with that. Good. So whether, so, don't let either familiarity or fear of the unknown keep you from God's best for you this coming year and taking those next steps and growing deeper and understanding him. So with all that said, as we work towards our conclusion today, there are so many things that promise us satisfaction in life. There are all kinds of accomplishments, all kinds of titles that we strive for. People say, once I'm done with school, I'll be happy. Once I get this promotion, oh, now I'll really be successful. Once I... Once I make six-figure income, oh yeah, then I'll be content. Or when your children say a particular toy or device will make them happy, I think we all intuitively know the answer. All those things will eventually let us down in one way, shape, or form. Those are all promises that if we look to them for our satisfaction, we look to them for our contentment, they will let us down. Each of them. Rather, the actor Jim Carrey once remarked, I think everyone should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of just so they can see that that is not the answer. I love that quote. I think we all have something to learn from that. I, and I love how beautifully that, that could be taken out of Scripture. It sounds like Paul in Philippians chapter 4 where he says, I've learned in whatever circumstance I am in, to be content. I've learned what it means to be abased and I know what it means to, to abound. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That is our answer this morning. That is our answer for facing this feeling of unfulfillment or discontentment, whatever we might feel today or some other time that we might feel these emotions throughout the year. The answer is not to look to people, things, accomplishments, sports cars, Super Bowls, anything like that, to find our contentment, but find our contentment in Christ who strengthens us. It's no surprise then that Jesus himself said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me, for whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? It's a beautiful poetic twist Jesus offers us. In order to gain everything, you must lose everything. (laughs) Which ironically counteracts the rock star who almost sounds like a philosopher, as Mick Jagger told us, I can't get no satisfaction. Beautiful contrast there. Only Jesus Christ and a relationship with Him is enough to fill the God-shaped hole in each of our hearts, in each of our longings. Put down all these other things that don't satisfy, because they won't. But in Him, we discover that in our, that in our disappointments, we discover that His grace is enough for us. In our moments of unfulfillment, we discover that only he can offer us true fulfillment. Only he gives us satisfying answers to the big, deep questions in life. So we put down those things that don't satisfy and we find our contentment, our peace, our hope, our purpose, our meaning, our comfort, and our fullness of joy in a relationship with Jesus Christ and look to him alone. As the hymn writer said, and I'll say this in closing, on Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. Thanks be to God. Amen.